This is the most marketable corporate-sponsored sports entertainer of our or any generation, the hashtag feminist icon, E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle... The Whole Reffin' Show. Hello everybody! Welcome to another episode, exciting episode I should say, of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Today we're talking uh, updates for SummerSlam. It's just as big as WrestleMania, Darren, in a not as big as WrestleMania at all kind of way. <laughs> also, we're talking about the future of Matt Riddle. Wrestler Matt Riddle now has a, uh, a destination in mind as far as the wrestling world is concerned. Also, we're talking about Evolution, WWE Evolution, a forthcoming all-women's pay-per-view. Oh, an all-women's pay-per-view, not a four-man stable. No, no, not that Evolution. I know it's very confusing that they've already used Evolution. Well, p- perhaps they're relying on uh, Lemmy Kilmeister's pronunciation in which he said evolution. Right, So right. perhaps they're two different things in the mind uh, of the WWE. And, but you know what they say, or you know what Lemmy said. He said evolution is a mystery. <laughs> this is very true. Also, evolution sounds like a PlayStation 1 game. Uh, is, that, <laughs> is that not... Also, not to be confused with New Year's Evolution, the uh, WWF pay-per-view, WWE pay-per-view from back in the day. Or was that New Year's Revolution? That's New Year's Revolution. Uh, All all I remember is uh, trying to sell that tape on eBay and just like, you basically have to give it away. I remember that cover of like Batista. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, there was an old cover. I think maybe the very first New Year's Revolution was Batista with hair. Yeah, yeah. This, this is original. This is not Daiquiri Dave. This is the original Dave Batista, or just Batista. Right, and then that was how, how he was billed. Uh, Batista with hair is what uh, <laughs> it says in the back of the box. I, I don't know why people didn't want it. With hair and with Kung Fu grip. Right, <laughs> now with hair and Kung Fu grip. Uh, also, Darren Beasley, our good friend Darren Beasley, our co-host Darren Beasley. Uh, who that? Who that? Uh, that? That's you, my friend. Uh, you you got a report from the road, your regular Lee Marshall, uh, because you're going to tell us all about what went down at Fest Wrestling's latest show, Xmas slash Christmas, in July 2. I felt silly because when we talked about it on the preview show, me, you, and Rich Bocchini, um, I kept calling it Xmas in July, and you guys kept calling it Christmas in July. Because I was trying to help the search. I think if you type in Christmas in July, who knows what you get. But if you type in Xmas, which is the way it's spelled, that's when you actually find what you're looking for. You find your tickets for the show, man. You know what was really funny is the actually the, the hashtag on Instagram. You could, you know, hashtag Xmas in July 2. Right. And it would still have results of shit that had absolutely nothing to do with that fest wrestling show which (laughs) is 
the most unfortunate aspect of hashtags is the fact that you could it doesn't matter. There's no hashtag police. You can put whatever you like, and all of a sudden it throws your image, regardless of how appropriate or inappropriate it is, to the hashtag. Oh, it goes right into the pool with the rest of them. Yeah, well, Twitter's getting really weird and, and more corporate than it ever was, where it's like, oh, you might also like Nathan's Hot Dogs if you're looking for hashtag Xmas in July, too. Oh, um, well, you know, if uh, Xmas equals hot dogs. <laughs> I guess. I mean, if you're going to tweet, sure, you might as well. If, you, if you're grilling this holiday season, sure, it does mean hot dogs. Um, if you're tweeting this Wednesday, you should have a Nathan's Hot Dog. <laughs> free free shout out to Nathan's Hot Dogs. Just uh, send a check, care of whole ref and show. I was about to say, episode 94 brought to you by Nathan's Hot Dogs. <laughs> uh, Do you know that Nathan's Hot Dogs are like the least I mean, and they're okay. They taste good. Oh, here we go. But here we go. Like the least good thing on their menu. I was about to say we're about to lose their sponsors immediately. Uh, <laughs> that's why we don't have sponsors. You know what? No, we, the, uh, Nathan's hot dogs—they sponsor us and all. But you know, folks, like I've had better hot dogs, like uh, <laughs> uh, Oscar Mayer. They, they, they kind of got it going on. You know, no, no offense, Nathan's. Anyway, Batista with hair. Um, so yeah, anyway, let that, let that be a lesson to all you advertisers out there. We might put you over. Oh, there. Emphasis on might. This is, this is why I can't afford a can of beans for, for food. We have no sponsors. Um, so yeah, we gotta get, we gotta get that old sponsor can of beans back. (laughs) No, because you'll, you'll, you'll run them off. You'll run them off, Darren. Um, I like beans. So, so Darren's going to tell us about... Especially if you slice up some Nathan's hot dogs and make some beanie weenies. We got them back. We got them back. Darren's going to tell us about Fest Wrestling's latest show, Xmas slash Christmas in July 2. Before we can do that, before Darren can tell us all about what went down at Fest Wrestling and Gainesville and the Swamp, uh, we got to start with them. Headlines! Darren... Yes, Perry. SummerSlam, which is equally as important as WrestleMania, according to WWE. Uh, yes, in every way, I can do, I can agree. Well, if WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all, then SummerSlam is the the grandmama of them all. Um. Yes, but let's. I mean, okay, fair enough. I guess so that mean that makes them equal. I was going to say, let's don't for one second diminish the equality. Of grandmama to grandpapa. Right, right. Uh, now we have a uh, potential main event in Brock Lesnar defending that universal title, proudly defending it against Roman Reigns. Oh, good night in the morning. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why people criticize WWE and say that they build matches that people don't want to see. Or that, or, 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 or that they, they waste opportunities, or that uh, they make you watch the same thing over and over again. Um, Darren, all I'm saying is thank God for the network. Because if I had to shell out 40, 50, probably about 50 bucks nowadays, uh, a month for these things. You know, Don't get me started on when there were two pay-per-views a month. You know That, that would have been a, a pretty hefty sum. Um, well, we wouldn't have done it. I, I know why... This this podcast would simply not cover the WWE, <laughs> at least not the pay per view specials, because I would not pay for these. The only one 
that I would pay for would be WrestleMania, which I, out of force of habit, I try to attend WrestleMania every year. I hope to continue that. But, uh, but that being said, I, I'm not going to pay $40, $50 for any other pay-per-view. Right. I mean, so so the network makes not it more not not in this age. The, the network makes it easy uh, to stay informed and watch every pay per view as it happens, or as you like to call the network exclusives. Uh, out of habit, I still call them pay per views, and that's just the way it is. But that's a good thing, and, and you have to wonder where WWE would be today if they didn't go to a network. If it still were about buying the actual pay per view every month. I, I I know that <laughs> I don't know if this podcast would exist because it'd be kind of like oh god crunching the numbers I, we can't afford to to buy a pay per view every month <laughs> again no no money from uh, Nathan's at that time so well, <laughs> and not only no not only would the money be uh, suffocating the desire to spend that money even if you had it right. on this particular product I dare you know. They, they say that the wrestlers are making, uh, as far as their contract, uh, as far as their quote-unquote uh, pay-per-view uh, payouts or bonuses or cash-outs or however you want to define it, those, uh, those numbers are as low or lower than perhaps they've ever been, and that that is specifically a result of the network, the WWE network, forever changed uh, the way that WWE would generate money, uh, and therefore the same way that pay structure and uh, guarantees and uh, pay hierarchies would be structured. Okay, well that's fine. They're making plenty of money elsewhere, especially with like merchandise. But my point is, I think they'd be making much less money even if they were still on the non-network pay-per-view structure because just like we recently had the very lowest rated Monday Night Raw, I think we'd have the lowest buy rates uh, at least a couple of times over the last two to three years because people would not still be paying 40 50 and certainly not 60 or $70 for some of the bullshit that wwe is putting out right now paul Heyman's a big proponent of the whole uh hit him in the checkbook if you're unhappy with the product thing but the thing is everyone has the network and as long as everyone has that that's kind of all vince mcmahon needs the network is so convenient for you know not only the newest pay-per-view but i mean it's more so about the the library the vault of of old stuff that's kind of why a lot of people have the network if it were a monthly pay-per-view that you could choose to buy or not buy i think that's when they would definitely see uh diminishing returns because it's like i'm not watching reigns versus lesnar again you know i'm not watching aj styles uh you know go on in the middle of the card with the uh, <laughs> the highest belt um, being defended on the show, like it's 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 no good. It's no good. You're absolutely right. It would happen. What Paul Heyman is saying should happen in the event that people want to uh, get across their point of their dissatisfaction. It would be happening. You're absolutely right. We we can't know that because people will happily pay a fraction of the pay per view cost for not only the pay per view but 
thousands of hours of all the wrestling they ever did love. They might not even be watching the network specials anymore. People may not watch, they may not even watch SummerSlam, but they're still going to pay that $9.99 and they're going to go and they're going to watch Boo Bradley's cat get killed by a guillotine leg drop from Chris Candido in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. <laughs> very very that's specific. All, that's that's very on the specific. network. You can go watch it. Oh, I, I know, because everything is on the network. That, 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 that is very specific, Darren. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to people having monthly subscriptions where it's auto-pay. You know, if, if, you actually, if you actually had the choice, if you got emailed once a month and said, like, oh, did you want to renew the WWE Network this month? You might be like, mm, click no. Just because you don't feel like watching Smoky Mountain Wrestling, you know what I mean? I mean, God, I, I feel like I have like very little, like in the amount of like bills every month, you know, more or less, or because I don't have a cable bill. But I mean, once you add up my Hulu, my Netflix, my you know uh, WWE Network, my Spotify, it's like that's that's a whole nother bill of just auto pays, and half of them I could just turn off, but you know, half because I'm lazy, and half because it's like, oh, but I might. I might need to watch something on Netflix soon, even though I rarely put on Netflix. You know, I kind of leave it on. I think everyone has that general attitude when it comes to auto-pay subscriptions, WWE Network being one of those. So, I definitely feel that way about Netflix because I don't watch anything on Netflix except Glow. <laughs> right, right. Glow. I did binge watch Glow Season 2, and it was very very much worth it. That's right, folks. This episode not only brought to you by Nathan's Hot Dogs, also by Glow Season 2, brought to you by Netflix. But only Glow, because uh, much like we almost lost Nathan's, uh, we will probably lose Netflix as a whole, because, yeah, Netflix is definitely one I would probably turn off uh, if it were not auto-pay, because I spend more time looking for something to watch on Netflix than... <laughs> Than I do ever watching something on Netflix. Netflix, the closest thing you get to a old old timey video store, where you actually go in and look at the box covers and go like, "Ooh, she's she's pretty," or "Ooh, does he get ripped in half by that monster?" Yeah, I'll never know because I'm not gonna rent it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that 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 uh, that is the curse of Netflix. But anyway, folks, we're getting a little sidetracked okay, here. Really, the the whole point of this thing is no one wants to see this main event. I mean, we've got a few weeks until SummerSlam. We'll be talking about SummerSlam, the card, and then, of course, we'll be doing a head-to-head. Head-to-head. But for the sake of this conversation, uh, I know you and I both felt the need to uh, include that the main event at least had been sort of put in place. Now, we'll see if it remains this match, but boy, the immediate outcry and backlash against it should be all... WWE needs to not do it. Right. It does kind of at this point seem like Vince McMahon is just trolling us. It uh, does. Like, it like does. He's, he's doing it just to do it. And uh, we, we got to just take it because <laughs> we have no choice, I guess. But there are alternatives uh, to WWE's product. Uh, and in fact, you will see one of those on the weekend of SummerSlam. I'm talking about NXT TakeOver. Um, and you might see a new slash familiar face on that takeover, uh, and that is the face of one Matt Riddle, uh, who is on his way to NXT. Yes, Matt Riddle, so they say, 
is uh, the, the ink is not even dry yet, and Matt Riddle uh, sort of taking the natural evolution, so to speak, from Evolve, a longtime home of his, to their big brother, the WWE, which uh, the entrance door to WWE, unless you're AJ Styles, uh, is, seems to be NXT over the past few years. And it may be at Brooklyn, uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 4, the night before SummerSlam, in which we see Matt Riddle probably pop up, you know, wearing some kind of smart suit in the front row and cheesing for the camera and uh, doing, you know, showing off his long blonde locks and his big white teeth and uh, making half the crowd lose their minds with excitement and the other half of the crowd go, who? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, such is the nature of NXT and I love it because I remember watching WCW and WWF in 1989, 1990, 1993, and you'd see somebody in the crowd, and half the time, I would, you know, I'd lose my mind, and the other half the time, I would go, who? I do recall visiting you in the asylum a lot when you lost your mind multiple times watching <laughs> wrestling. And, uh, and even if I didn't know who the person was, that was exciting, too. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I think that uh, Raw and SmackDown forget these days is that sometimes the unknown will make people watch. They're so focused on spelling everything out for you and just absolutely paving the road so there's not even a pebble in the path of anybody's understanding. And sometimes you need to throw somebody right in. You know, throw somebody, sink or swim. Not just, I don't mean the wrestler, I mean the fan. You know, most of the time, if the fan is a fan, they're going to stick around and see what surpri- what other surprises you have. And people don't like to be spoon fed. Yeah, they, they don't like a Twitter announcement uh, about someone's surprise appearance on Raw or, or SmackDown Live. That, that's very irritating. Um, and we talked about this many times before. I know in the past, at least, especially when Goldberg was around, like they would advertise, like, "Well, folks." Next week, Goldberg will be here. I was like, how about Goldberg just show up? Because um, that's more exciting than, oh, blah, 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 blah. Um, well, exactly, because when you have people, okay, it, it's the whole, like, uh, you you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach a man to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. It's sort of like that with how you book wrestling. If you create an atmosphere where there could be a surprise appearance at any time, that creates must-watch television. Right. If you announce every surprise before it happens, that means they're only going to watch when you give them that announcement. But if you create an atmosphere where every week is, do you dare not miss it? Guess what? They're dare not going to miss it. That's very accurate. It's it. Harkens back to the the Monday Night Wars when it was like anything could happen, anyone could show up at any time. But I mean, literally, you could have the hottest feud in the company already going on, and then the very next week, somebody from the other company is now on your show as a part of that feud that was already going on. I mean, it was brilliant. Right. Brilliant times. Surprise is everything in pro wrestling. Shock and awe is everything in pro wrestling. Now, Matt Riddle. For those of you who are not that familiar with Matt Riddle, 
who seems to be headed to NXT and uh, the yellow brand. Uh, this uh, young man got his start in uh, mixed martial arts, MMA, and uh, he came to prominence on The Ultimate Fighter, that TV show. I remember watching several seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. And uh, The Ultimate Fighter 7 is where Matt Riddle made a name for himself. Uh, he ultimately ended up in the UFC where he was fired for uh, marijuana use. Oh, no. Oh, no. That monster. Exactly. How dare he? What's wrong with him? He ran a stoplight. (laughs) So so, (laughs) so, uh, he he garnered quite a popular uh, following for not only his skills in the octagon, but but his marijuana use. I mean, you've got a built-in audience there who likes uh, a public figure who represents what is a, a favorite pastime of many. And so that's what Matt Riddle meant to a lot of people was that he was this sort of, he was this bro and boy, he has, he has ridden the bro gimmick very, very hard. Where, uh, where, where, much where, success. where some see uh, uh, an image, like a pot smoker image, <laughs> the world of wrestling, that's called a gimmick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Matt Riddle decided uh, after uh, teasing with Bellator and some other smaller promotions, Matt Riddle eventually decided to leave eight sides of chain link fence and enter four sides of a circle. The squared circle became the new home of Matt Riddle in 2015 when he switched his uh, focus to professional wrestling. And ever since then, Matt Riddle has wrestled with pro wrestling Gorilla. Like I said, he's made quite a home out of Evolve and other WWN promotions, the, the WWN family. And over in the United Kingdom, Matt Riddle has made a name for himself with Progress and Rev Pro. Um, I know that one of the, uh, the coolest bouts for Matt Riddle was facing uh, Katsuyori Shibata. The, unfortunately, Shibata, who, of course, uh, in fighting Okada, in New Japan, suffered uh, what may be a career-ending injury, uh, head injury from a series of headbutts that saw him uh, with severe brain swelling. But before that accident, Shibata faced off with Matt Riddle uh, in Rev Pro. And so Matt Riddle has done a lot recently, appearing in MLW. And then all the speculation about him headed to NXT sort of, I guess, caught fire, and all eyes turned to him after he pulled out of this year's PWG Battle of Los Angeles. And so, again, fingers crossed we're going to see Matt Riddle sooner, not later, in WWE's yellow brand of NXT. That, uh, that, that's probably likely. I feel like whenever people jump to NXT, uh, they, they typically still kind of finish out their, their booking commitments. Like, doesn't that kind of seem... The, the way it goes when people jump? Oh, no, absolutely. But the, only, the Battle of Los Angeles is after uh, SummerSlam. So there's a lot of them are thinking that this was not, it was not a, a done deal, his wrestling for uh, at Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah. And it was just sort of presumed. Um, but now, of course, it will, uh, just, it will simply not happen because he will already be in NXT. Not a done deal. Not a crocodile done deal. 
You know, another thing that's interesting is the fact that WWE is interested in Matt Riddle at all. I know that for a while he seemed to be persona non grata, despite a lot of fans and a lot of other wrestlers already under WWE contract really pulling for him to be brought in by the company. But apparently they actively frowned upon this idea that he was an out and open pot smoker. <laughs> Nevertheless, it so it turns out WWE has turned their uh, gaze back to Matt Riddle and they want him there. In fact, uh, a lot of people seem to believe uh, inside the WWE and out that Matt Riddle is actually their response to Brock Lesnar's potentially impending departure, uh, his permanent last departure from WWE, which may come as he chases Daniel Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title. WWE will be looking for another uh, strong MMA presence, and I don't know why Bobby Lashley doesn't fit that bill, um, but apparently he doesn't. I mean, I'm more of a Matt Riddle fan than I am a Bobby Lashley fan, so like personally I get it. I'd love to see Matt Riddle wreaking havoc on Raw or SmackDown, but I also fear that they won't do it right, so I will be much, much happier to see Matt Riddle wreaking havoc in NXT. Uh, that's fair enough. If if Lashley had a mouthpiece, man, if, if Lashley had someone to talk for him, he would just be so much more ahead of the game. They figured that out with Lesnar pretty early on. I don't know why they won't give Lashley someone to talk for him. I don't know why managers aren't that big of a deal in the world of wrestling anymore. A lot of people absolutely need them um, to help them out. Uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, so we might be seeing Matt Riddle on um, network exclusives uh, in the very, very near future. Something we're going to see a lot more of and their very own network exclusive, folks, are the ladies. That's right, WWE. Bringing the ladies together for a female exclusive network special. I'm talking about the May Young. Cl oh no, not that one. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> Evolution. Evolution recently announced on Raw by Stephanie McMahon. There will be an all-female network exclusive slash pay-per-view Evolution, which is not a tournament. It is more so just an actual like pay-per-view that is that is exclusively for the ladies. Darren, how do you feel about this? Oh, man. I feel a lot of ways about this. Okay. Because okay. I have a lot of feelings about this. Uh, you're right, though. This is not the Mae Young Classic. This is, however, um, a natural outgrowth of the Mae Young Classic and the uh, Divas uh, Revolution, Women's Evolution, uh, whole, this whole process that's been going on for a while now. And Mae Young Classic, this year's Mae Young Classic, the second Mae Young Classic, will actually see its finals on this network special. The finals of the Mae Young Classic will be at uh, WWE Evolution, which will take place on Sunday, the 28th of October, 2018. In addition to the finals of the Mae Young Classic, we will see the NXT women's title defended, the Raw women's title defended, and the SmackDown women's title defended. So essentially four crowns uh in one night uh which in the history of wrestling is commonplace you have multiple titles defended but it's pretty cool that we're talking about a tournament championship and three uh quote-unquote world titles uh all being defended all by women all in an all women's pay-per-view also being advertised 
is that there will be 50 women's wrestlers on this show. That is incredible. I mean, 50? Like, again, it's going to be a lot like the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. I think it's going to be pretty cool. We're gonna, I, I'm excited to see who all shows up. We're talking about 50 women. I, uh, I mean, it's going to be everyone from the Mae Young Classic, obviously, uh, c- competing in, in some form or fashion. They, they definitely have the personnel to fill uh, a show like that. Um, I mean, again, 32 competitors in the Mae Young Classic brackets alone. Um, the question is, though, is, is it is it just like a, a, a show on its own as far as, like, booking uh, an arena and it's just all the women and they're hoping that WWE fans are there, you know, will we'll show up to this very large arena to watch this all women's uh, network exclusive. Like that, that's to me, that's kind of like, will they fill an arena? Not saying that the women are, are incapable of that happening. I'm just saying like that, that, that is today's climate. I mean, look at, look at Facebook, whatever women's matches pop up and it's, it's a lot of negativity. I think fans only like Lita and Trish Stratus as far as wrestling goes, it seems. Um, I, I don't know how to appease them. I'm looking forward to it because it's something new and different and we'll actually see things that we probably never would have seen otherwise, um, let alone an entire pay-per-view of only female competitors. Um, but Well, I, I personally am extremely excited about this because to me, the fact that we're going to see 50 women's wrestlers, the fact that we're going to see three-plus hours of of women's wrestling and we're going to see one single night one single uninterrupted showcase of all the talent that wwe has signed of the female persuasion i think that is excellent because unlike those nimrods who only think that lita and trish stratus were ever worth their salt honestly i would take about i would take 30 30 I take 30 of the women that are currently under contract to WWE over Trish and Lita any day. In fact, I'd probably take 90% of the women in WWE today over Trish Stratus because Trish Stratus never did anything for me in terms uh, of wrestling. Was not a fan. I was never a fan of Trish Stratus. I was a fan of Lita. Um, But we're talking about an era in which no one really gave that much credence to women's wrestling. I'm not saying no one liked it, but it was not celebrated um, deliberately or naturally the way that it is now. So how you could even compare, not you, but how these, uh, these individuals could even compare women's wrestling of the past to the current women's wrestling uh, is beyond me. Darren, I, I, I know how you feel about women's wrestling and how you feel about Tristratus and Lita. The thing is, you need those, quote, nimrods to buy tickets to fill that arena. And that is but my... Those nimrods and are going to buy those tickets. That, that, is, my, are, that is my original cool. question. They're, they're, th- th- that's the thing, though. They're going to have trouble filling that arena, is, is my original statement. I don't think so. I'm I just don't think so be because. Honest. Because you're not going to convince those Nimrods between now and October. You're not gonna, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're not going to convince people who have no interest in women's wrestling that they all of a sudden like it between now and October. But this show is in New York. This is in the home of the WWE. This is in the Northeast. 
The show is being held at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, the home of many, 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 many WWE shows. And it seats anywhere between like 13 and 17,000, depending on uh, the setup for the building, whether it's sports or concert. Not sure what it is for pro wrestling. You also have to take into account WWE is not beyond uh, tarping off sections. So they could turn it into a nine, ten thousand 10,000-seat arena if they wanted to. And then if they only shot half of it, you could <laughs> theoretically pull it off and maybe only have five or 6,000 tickets sold. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and bet money, uh, a, very, a very low sum of money, uh, that you'll probably see some men's wrestling dark matches. Uh, before the show, I I, I I would not be surprised if you saw like AJ Styles fight someone before the show started. I'm not, I'm not even saying kickoff show. I'm saying like before anything happens. Like, all right, just in case, here's AJ guys. Here's here's Randy uh, Orton. Randy Orton's here. Don't leave. Don't leave. You know what I mean? Yikes. Um. So you don't. Uh, that's that's interesting. I, I'm curious. I feel like WWE is going to try and make this sink or swim on its own merit. Well, the thing uh, is, the actual show can be all women, and then that's kind of the point. If they have men in the in like a dark match, like that's that, that that's not that's in no way encroaching on the women's show. That, that's like putting that's like putting anyone on the kickoff show slash you know pre-show. It's it's just a warm up for the actual show, and and I I, I don't think the women's locker room. Would be so like, no, this is us. This is our time. They'd be like, okay, that's fine. But the show is us. I I disagree. Oh, I think the women's uh, locker room would be that way. I think the women's locker room would be very upset. As a matter of fact, I think they would be like, oh yeah, real nice. And to to go back to your original point, in another era, yeah, it absolutely would would be booked that way. But in the era of Twitter, no, you can't do it because everyone will know. The moment Seth Rollins or John Cena or Roman Reigns or AJ Styles sets foot in a ring in the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum on October 28th, there will be a Twitter quake. <laughs> That's I'm true. I'm just saying. That's true. They, they, they might do that just in in fear of the backlash. The exactly the, the, the backlash pay per view coming to you live from. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I, I, I agree with that. that, that, nothing, that you, nothing you said was wrong in another era, and nothing you said is wrong uh, in terms of you. You wouldn't, in my opinion, be doing the women wrong by having uh, one or two men's matches on like truly dark matches like you said but it's not about me it's not about <laughs> you and it's definitely not the bygone era the point of this show and this is the other point that i want to make uh about this show and this is this is the only negativity i have towards this event and it's actually not toward the event and it's definitely uh not me having negativity toward the competitors this event is happening, and I couldn't call the percentages, I'm not going to try to, but there's a percentage of the show that is happening because that's the way the business is trending, and fan uh, desire from the fans, and the movement in general, and the talent and the entertainment 
that this women's roster is providing. That Yes, all of those things are true. All of those things are real. And they make up a percentage of why, of why, underscore why, WWE is doing this. Another percentage of why, perhaps the majority percentage, two words, virtue signaling. This reeks of virtue signaling just like everything that comes out of Stephanie McMahon's mouth. Stephanie McMahon is so intent on selling the WWE as the end-all, be-all of progressive yet wholesome entertainment, inclusive yet family-oriented entertainment. We are going to be open-minded. We are going to be forward-thinking. We are going to be all-encompassing, and we're going to be PG. It is the squeaky clean, Hollywood-esque, publicly traded, overly politically correct spiel that Stephanie McMahon is obsessed with glossing every WWE texture with. It's saying we are better than other sports. We are better than other forms of entertainment. We are better because... We include women. We include uh, LGBTQ. We include children. We downplay uh, and call out bullies. We are uh, involved with uh, Susan Komen. We are interested in health and wellness and peace and love. And again, you're, wait a minute, your fighting company is against bullying that, that's what that, half of your roster should be heels and they all of their tactics should be bullying <laughs> i don't support bullying in real life actually that's 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 a complex question i might actually could debate that but <laughs> uh certainly uh in terms of true human interaction and compassion no no one supports bullying but to, to, for a fighting company, a combat sport company, to be outspoken about bullying, it's just kind of silly. And uh, I go back to, like I said, I can't listen to anything come out of Stephanie's mouth and not think that she's doing what she's doing for a pat on the back. Like I said, virtue signaling, it reeks of it, it stinks of it, uh, I loathe that type of behavior. And I, and I don't understand why they, they let Stephanie do that. Uh, Stephanie's got to have something to do, right? I mean, that she, she, she could, she's done many great things in her career. I think she's a decent writer. She's a hell of a performer. It's, it, it's, but I don't it's, like it's, her being this shill. It, it's more so what she does, like for the corporation itself, not just the WWE, like on on, on air product, I guess. I mean, and, th- and then that, that's kind of a that's kind of a reason why WWE television these days is kind of a hodgepodge of ideas because you have so many people involved and no one's getting a hundred percent what they want. Not even Vince McMahon because he's pandering to his daughter, his son, Triple H. So that's why you get things that are like, oh, this is very different, and then oh, kibosh. 
it's it's now Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Title at SummerSlam. Um, so it's well, it's it, no, it's I that. think you're right because like I hate to you know open this can of worms, but I, it's one of your favorites. Um, although we kind of tiptoe around it a lot of the time. No can is, of worms is my favorite, uh, Darren, but, but continue. <laughs> the can of worms that is inappropriate uh, and uh, illegal uh, actions by certain individuals in the 19, late 1970s, 1980s, and early 1990s under the watch of Vince McMahon. Inappropriate. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, sexual behavior, uh, sexual aggressors, etc., uh, etc. Et Those individuals, Vince McMahon would would I, I don't know. He would lose. He would lose it if all of that came back to the forefront. And yet, a lot of those individuals still rear their ugly heads when it comes to input. And like you just said. They might have some outside-of-the-box idea. They might have some type of progressive movement or some sort of forward-thinking direction. And then Pat Patterson rings up Vince and says, no, it needs to be Roman and Brock because big sweaty men. <laughs> and, and then it all – and then like you said, the kibosh. Right. And worst of all though I think is, is that is that virtue signaling. And I, it makes me it makes me so ill – because she tries to play it off as, as she's patting herself on the back. She then says, but really, but really, it's each and every one of you. Right. And it's like, no, dude, do not throw me into your BS, Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, don't don't try to make it about about that because you, you might care, but not as much as you're you're letting on like it, it's all for. It, 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 it is all for the humanitarian of the year award. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's totally that. All because we know better because wrestling is so political. It is a shame how political WWE has gotten with all the all the, the charity stuff. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that stuff doesn't help people. But I, I do question the reasons behind uh, why, why they do some of the good things they do. I mean, a lot of it is it's got to be write-offs and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, again, it's it's a big evil corporation. I mean, we all love Disney, but let's face it: in the very you take the Mickey Mouse mask off, it's a big evil corporation. WWE is the same exact thing. You know, you take away like, oh, Make a Wish, oh, Charlotte Flair, AJ Styles. It is a big, ugly, evil corporation. Um, so never forget that, folks. You you might like Roman Reigns. I question you, but you might like Roman Reigns and think he's a neat guy. You might, you may be like, "Oh, John Cena, you can't see him." There, he works for a big evil corporation. And if you think Vince McMahon is a nice guy, I got news for you. Probably not. Probably not a nice guy. It's like Lucy from uh, Peanuts said. It's all run by a big Eastern syndicate, and Vince McMahon is sitting on top and laughing his way to the bank. Now. To go back just a second, every single Make-A-Wish child, every single penny that's gone to charity, everything that has been done positively by uh, donations, generosity, and special treatment, all of the you, you can't take that stuff back. You can't make that stuff up. That is awesome. But who should be celebrating it? If it needs celebrating, outsiders should celebrate it. You know what I mean? You don't raise your own hand. 
Yeah, and and that that's actually a good point too. Is like you'll if if they make a a, a charitable donation, you will see a commercial for it every single raw for a month. Like, and don't forget we helped this small child, and don't forget we helped this young lady. You know who I mean? did? We did. We, we did. did. Who we? Us. WWE. So please buy a Finn Balor T-shirt. I know. Oh man, Finn Balor's uh, reaction to Evolution was. The worst. I think it was the first one after the announcement on Raw when it cut backstage to Finn Balor and Chad Gable. And Finn Balor, bless his heart, not a good actor. Excellent wrestler who desperately needs to leave WWE now and go back to New Japan if he wants to save his career. To cut back to him backstage and him say, Oh, hey, Chad, how about... How about that evolution? Isn't that great? It's for everyone, like the Balor Club. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> Isn't that great? That thing that hasn't happened yet? So yeah, evolution. Something to look forward to. It'll be interesting uh, just to see it all. We're actually excited about it. <laughs> happen. No, no, we, we actually are excited about it, but it kind of it kind of led down a, uh, we kind of veered off. Uh, the path and talked about uh, other other WWE stuff, uh, but that's it. Evolution. Hey, looking forward to that in October. That'll be neat. May Young Classic two also coming up. We'll we'll have more about that. We haven't really talked about that a lot on the show because we're kind of waiting for there to be more to talk about. We do have a list of competitors in that, but we'll get into that maybe next week, Darren. Maybe next week. Uh, because you've got a lot to talk about, young man. Because you attended the latest Fest Wrestling show. Xmas in July 2, and now you're going to tell us all about it. It was Saturday night. It was July 21st, 2018 in Hogtown, beautiful Gainesville, Florida. It was Fest Wrestling, Xmas in July 2, Xmas in July, back at you, in your face, in July. This is the second one, Fest Closing in on two years, two full years of existence, the next show, as a matter of fact, will be the second anniversary bash. But before you can open your birthday presents, you got a whole bunch of Christmas presents. And I know there's one present we talked about a lot last week, you, me, and Rich Bokini, and that was the one that was suspended above the ladder. What's in the box? <laughs> We're going to find out, dear listeners. Over the course of this discussion, you will find out exactly what was in the box. Perry, it was hot. It was balmy. It was muggy, if you will. It's the swamp. It is north central Florida, and it's July. But I have to say, you walk into 8 Second Saloon, and there's Christmas carols playing, and your body temperature actually seems to drop because your mind cannot conceive of the fact that you're hearing Christmas songs and it's over a hundred degrees outside. Hey man, perception is reality, Darren. You're telling me, well, I wasn't only my reality uh, on this trip. I, I regret that you were not along with me, but we did have our good friend RJ and we had a uh, dear listener, and friend of the show, Jameson, uh, the rocker, if you will, who joined us on this jaunt down to Hogtown. 
And so we all were very lucky to take in a most excellent fest wrestling show. Yeah, hanging out with uh, other people, going to fest wrestling shows with other people. Uh, Darren, when uh, when's the podcast start? Uh, well, it started about forty five minutes ago. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought I thought uh, I was talking about the uh, the podcast you started with other people who are not me. If I'm not there to go with you to fest, you stay at home, Mister, and you you listen to it on the the broadband on the radio. Um. Is that something that exists? Sure. <laughs> is anybody, is anyone listening to terrestrial radio anymore? I don't think so. Not I, said the cat. I'm listening to extraterrestrial radio. <laughs> I want a, a Mexican radio. A yeah, Mexican, like, uh, whoa, whoa, <laughs> radio. <laughs> I'm like Jodie Foster in Contact. I'm listening to all kind of, all kind of crazy shit. So for some reason, Jake Busey. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Jodie Foster in Nell. For some reason, when I hear Jodie Foster, I immediately think of Jodie Foster in the movie Nell. You do realize she's been in other movies besides Nell. No, right? I don't. I don't. I don't believe that's accurate. Hashtag Never Forget Nell. <laughs> you got it. You got it, brother. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. As we as we discussed last week. This was not a uh, see how many matches can we cram into a fest wrestling show type of night. This is a pretty standard set uh, of matches, but uh, as with any fest show, it is not a standard setting and it is not standard performances. This is where indie wrestling comes to shine and the light shines bright on the superstars of independent wrestling there in Gainesville, Florida under the watch of Tony Weinbender and the Fest family. The opening match of the night was Trip Cassidy taking on Kevin Koo. Now, you know how we used to say that we dug the carnies, we liked the carnies, but wouldn't they be so much better if there was, like, more of them? Like, you got a ringmaster, you got a freak show, uh, shouldn't there be a clown? Shouldn't there be a, a lion tamer? Shouldn't there be a bearded lady? Well, guess what? Uh, what we didn't realize all along is that Trip Cassidy is their clown. And so I agree with Nick Iggy, who tweeted that he wished people would book them in more trios matches and trios appearances because they are all the carnies. And like I really dig that. Uh, but Trip Cassidy is fighting solo on this night, and Kevin Koo, both of these guys, making their Fest Wrestling debut. Um, I tell you what, Trip's hair, Trip, uh, we've seen him with all kinds of different colored hair, but uh, that pink hair, I ju- it just had me hungry for cotton candy. <laughs> I, I don't know what else. I don't know what else to say except that I wanted to eat his hair. Okay. Um, but I will say the one thing I did not want to eat is what Kevin Koo did end up eating. Uh, Trip, well, he wears a mouthpiece, and uh, we've seen people wear mouthpieces in wrestling. We've seen Shinsuke Nakamura, Kurt Angle, uh, Adrian Neville, and others. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do what Trip Cassidy did on this night, and it was the most disgusting thing I've seen since Tommy Dreamer drank The Undertaker's tobacco spit. And... Uh, Trip Cassidy removed his mouthpiece at one point and put it into Kevin Koo's mouth. And I almost left. I almost left the show. 
during the first match of the evening. Um, it wasn't only gross outs. It wasn't only fake outs, although Trip Cassidy did do a very nice, uh, hey, trust me, I'm your friend, I'm a nice guy, handshake to Kevin Koo. Uh, it wasn't all gags and gaga. No, uh, there was a lot of good action here in this match. It was a hell of an opening match. A big spinning plancha uh, came out of Trip Cassidy's uh, repertoire, but it didn't miss, and uh, Kevin Koo was able to escape that. That's a pretty tall order also, having the two, quote, new guys open a Fest Wrestling show. I don't know if Tony thought that or took that into consideration at all or not, but, I mean, that's happened maybe one other time um, with, uh, what, Cauliflower Brown and Omar... Omar Amir, that's his name. It it is kind of a sink or swim. Throw them out, throw the kids out into the deep end and see if they can swim. Tony Weinbender, he's he's tough. He's a tough man. A lot of good action, though. Uh, Kevin Koo definitely gets his shit in. We get to see uh, some nice uh, daredevil tactics flying through the ropes with the greatest of ease. Um, Both of these men showing off both uh, nice style uh, of, 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 of being as well as uh, ring style. Uh, Trip Cassidy manages to pull out the victory with a scissor kick to the head, however, and uh, Trip and Kevin Koo both making a nice impression. And uh, yeah, I still say it's risky putting on the new guys first, but paid off in spades, if you will. And uh, Trip Cassidy is your winner. Next up, CJ O'Doyle versus Ariel Monroe. Versus Alley Cat. Well, all we really knew was that it was supposed to be C.J. O'Doyle versus Ariel Monroe. Then we find out, thanks to the injury to Christy Janes, Alley Cat now needs a match. She's not going to take on a partner and enter into the tag team championship against the Gymnasty Boys. But she's there. She's in the building. She's frisky. She wants to play. She wants to beat some ass inside the squared circle. So she gets put into this match. Now, 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 guys, settle down. Uh, Alley Cat is frisky because she uh, she's pushing this cat gimmick. All right? So don't, don't take uh, that dude, the wrong way. It, it ain't a gimmick. Hands <laughs> to yourself, gentlemen. All right? And la- some of you ladies, too. That's fine. Um, I was sold on Alley Cat. Uh, first of all, it was, very, it, was a, it was a pleasure to meet her before the show. Uh Lovely young lady uh, came up, shook my hand. I shook hers, told her it was a pleasure to meet her as well. And it certainly was. But where she really sold me, um, actually before she even got in the ring, with her Girl You Want by Devo as her entrance music. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Come on, come on. Uh, Aria Blake. (laughs) It's too bad her opening theme wasn't uh, the opening track of Aerosmith's Nine Lives. Nine Lives. (laughs) Aria Blake joined Rich Bokini and Max Gregg, friends of the show, on guest commentary. Aria Blake, of course, uh, before she even came out of the curtain, we were reminded by ring announcer Charles Volkert that C.J. O'Doyle is the Aria Blake assassin. Oh, nice. I mean, not not, not nice, but nice of him to rub it in, yeah. 
So when Arya Blake actually came out to do guest commentary, and we haven't heard it yet, although when this show does drop, dear listeners, you will be able to find Fest Wrestling's Xmas in July 2 in its entirety on Pivot Share, and then you'll be able to find uh, certain excerpts from the matches and certain individual matches on YouTube in their entirety, and then maybe we'll learn what uh, Arya Blake had to say I'm sure it wasn't nice. Uh, she is not a big fan of C.J. O'Doyle, who did, unfortunately, put her on the shelf for many, many months. But we have learned she has come back. Uh, she has completed her physical therapy. She is on the mend, and she will be coming back to take out C.J. O'Doyle in, uh, in just a matter of months. Well, C.J. makes this match a handicap match. So now, not only did we learn the singles match became a triple threat, now it's changed again right before our very eyes into a handicap match. CJ, however, says, hey, I'm a nice guy. I know you don't believe that, but I'm a nice guy. And he takes out presents. He says, I'm still a gentleman. And he presents Alley Cat and Ariel Monroe with Christmas presents. Well, what does he get, Alley Cat, you might ask? A giant ball of yarn. And uh, this thrills her. I will say, like I said, ain't a gimmick. Ain't a gimmick. <laughs> uh, Alley Cat chases this yarn outside the ring. She uh, she can't get enough of it. I don't know what cats see in yarn, but uh, she, she certainly does. Uh, they don't know what humans don't see in yarn. That's fair. But I, I don't, see, I, I don't uh, presume to speak for cats. One day, well, I, I do, I speak for cats, Darren. Um, one day, I think a, a heel who's facing Alley Cat needs to really test Alley Cat and uh, open up a can of cat food in the ring, and basically Alley Cat has to eat it. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, uh, I don't want to be at that show. That might be more disgusting than putting Trip Cassidy's mouthpiece into your own mouth oh, is a, eating a can of cat food. Uh, that's no good. That's no good. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying I'm surprised. If that hasn't happened yet, I'd be very surprised that no one's thought of that. So Ariel Monroe opens her gift from C.J. O'Doyle. It's an 8 by 10 of C.J. O'Doyle. Hey! And he is a gentleman. He even signs it for her. He pulls out a Sharpie. He signs the glossy 8 by 10 But Ariel Monroe, she's not having it. She rips it up, and then Ariel gives a gift to CJ. I could not tell what it was. Unfortunately, I do not know what that gift was, but while he is either admiring it or lamenting it, he is distracted long enough for Ariel to ambush him. The girls end up double-suplexing CJ on the outside of the ring, and really they have the match in control until Alley Cat gets distracted by a laser pointer, Rich Bokini, like uh, like the great Swami that he is, was able to predict what could easily be the downfall uh, of a cat wrestler, and that is a laser pointer, which completely distracts Alley Cat. That has to be hard to uh, to sell to the audience, though, of, of what's going on. One, one that she is so much of a cat that she has to adhere to the rules of a cat but also that there's a laser pointer that she's chasing. Um, so that, that that's that's kind of interesting to me. And also, an 8x10 uh, gift. 
of yourself autograph. Don't don't knock that, Darren. Those of you who follow me on Instagram know that I did that to my friend for his birthday about five years ago when I gave him an old headshot, and it still sits next to pictures from his wedding and pictures of his newborn children um, proudly. So I think Errol Monroe's got a gift that'll last a lifetime. So that's just me. Well, she did, and uh, but the only way she can have it still is if she were tape up all the torn up pieces back together. Okay. Well, so, he, I'm, I'm sure he had more than one produced. I'm sure he had a mass produced. Uh, I agree, but he may have sold out. I mean, I tell you what, Fest family <laughs> loves their merch. That's true. And uh, C.J. O'Doyle may have sold out of those uh, glossy 8x10s. And, uh, the, the, the which fam- makes them all the more precious. Ariel Monroe, what's she doing? She she's looking to gift horse right in the mouth. <laughs> right. So Alicat is out of it. She's chasing the laser pointer. But Ariel herself, she is not a cat. Uh, she is not distracted. And she manages to get C.J. O'Doyle in a predicament where she power bombs him through two chairs. Ow. Two chairs which are set up facing one another. C.J. goes through the two of them, landing very hard on the canvas beneath. And uh, this is nearly a pinfall for Ariel. Now, Frankie Gastineau, referee... Frankie Gastineau is tending uh, to Alley Cat. Meanwhile, C.J. O'Doyle hits Ariel Monroe with a pan. This looked like a turkey roasting pan. And uh, he manages to pin Ariel Monroe and get the win. But not without the added leverage of having his feet on the ropes. The low-down, dirty heel that is C.J. O'Doyle cheating putting his feet on the ropes, the added leverage, the average pressure, keeping Ariel Monroe down for the one, the two, and the three. Now, Frank Gastineau clearly did not notice the feet on the ropes or he would have stopped making the count. However, C.J. O'Doyle's feet on the ropes were directly in front of Aria Blake, Rich Bokini, and Max Gregg. So there's no way uh, this this reality, this visual, escaped the commentary team and their guest commentator. Uh, as a matter of fact, Arya gets up, throws off the headset. She's in the ring, arguing with C.J. O'Doyle. She throws a chair at him. He catches it, turns around, and Alley Cat and Ariel Monroe hit C.J., knocking him out. So C.J. is out like a light, out like a light that's affixed to a clapper, when someone claps. <laughs> this episode of the whole Rough and Show also brought to you by Clapper. <laughs> we still exist. We question mark. Arya Blake gets in the ring, challenging CJ for the Fest Wrestling We Are Family show, taking place on night three of the Fest seventeen on. The weekend of 26 through 28 October 2018. You know what, Perry? Hmm. Two nights in Ybor City, pre-fest, Wednesday and Thursday, the 24th, the 25th. Three nights of the fest in Gainesville, Florida, the 26th, the 27th, the 28th. On the 27th, 
Anything? Are you doing? What are you doing that day? You doing anything on the twenty seventh? Twenty seventh. I think I'm going to be at the fest doing our second live show at the fest. The whole reference show live at the fest too. Uh, on the day before, Arya Blake gets some uh, revenge on C.J. O'Doyle. Dear listeners, you've heard it here. You've heard it first, and you'll hear much more about it in the weeks to come. The whole reference show live from fest again. For the second time, coming to you in October of this year. And on the night after we present the whole reference show live, we will see We Are Family. This is the WrestleMania for Fest Wrestling. This is the big show, the end-all, be-all. And that's where Aria Blake is saying she's coming to take a chunk out of C.J. O'Doyle's ass and, and give it back to him. The time he stole from her. But on this night, Xmas in July 2 still has a lot of action to come. And up next on this evening, there was the four-way what's-in-the-box ladder match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we get to find out what's in the, 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 the gosh darn box. I, I like that, yes. We are going to find out what's in the box. The teams. We have the Carnies, Nick Iggy, and Carrie Awful. We have Grits. Montana Black and TJ Boss with their manager, Tommy Thomas. Former referee, Tommy Thomas. (laughs) That's right. We have Tech, three equally charming heterosexuals. And it is three because Big Mike Monroe and the golden boy, Trevor Reed, are joined by shit-talking Jim Sherbert. Hashtag, there's Jim Sherbert. (laughs) And I was marking out. And then those nasty boys. Not the gym nasty boys. But so you can't say that because there are actual gym nasty boys. So yes, There yes. are actually multiple nasty boys. Okay, so those rotten... No, there's a tag team of rotten... Um, no those scoundrels! The, the, those, scoundrels. Those, 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 those no good jerk pants uh, guys... Leon Scott, I'm sure, awaken, yeah. But no, yeah, no last we checked, Wolf Taylor was not going to be able to compete in this match. Did Leon Scott fly solo? He did not. Vandal. Vandal comes to the rescue to fill in that position at the side of Leon Scott. Wolf Taylor does accompany his stablemates to the ring. Wolf Taylor is there. He's got a boot on for his broken leg. He's on crutches, but he's there to support his team. Well, I hope I hope uh, Teddy Stigma showed up and beat up Wolf Taylor while he was on crutches, much like Awaken did to Teddy Stigma when he showed up to Fest on crutches. Unfortunately, you would not have your wish. Teddy Stigma was Boo. nowhere to be seen on this night. Boo! Uh, Wolf tries to help. Wolf Taylor really trying to help, uh, trying to get in the ring, trying to do what he can, even though he's um, essentially a one-legged man on this night. Nevertheless, shit-talking Jim In a literal, in a literal ass-kicking contest. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But Jim Sherbert takes the crutch, turns the tables, and hits Wolf Taylor. And uh, this match, as you might expect, lots of big dives to the outside. Um, Vandal, suplexing... Uh, Trevor Reed outside onto everyone else. Uh, and at another point, Reed suplexes Vandal to return the favor. It's a release suplex onto the ladder inside the ring. 
totally gnarly. Totally gnarly. Uh, Leon, though. Leon Scott. I mean, we know that he's a powerhouse. We know he's a big man. But single-handedly takes out grits uh, about mid-match, uh, sort of neutralizing the, the really impending threat that is the tag team of grits, the new-to-fest tag team of grits. But the Carnies, crafty, crafty are the Carnies, taking out Leon with great teamwork. And Iggy, Nick Iggy actually manages to land a sit-down powerbomb on Leon Scott at one point. And that is about as visually impressive as it gets. Um, <laughs> I, I thought uh, Leon may have been broken in half by that. Uh, one thing that <laughs> I noticed throughout this entire match is that the uh, the front row that's on the back side of the ring, like toward the entrance to the uh, to the venue, right? That front row, which is is only one row, it's 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 a narrow pathway, uh, which only one row, maybe two rows of people can ever stand. They were in constant danger during this match. Ladders were being thrown so willy nilly uh, and falling and everything. If I had been in that row, I would have most definitely moved. I I really kept waiting for a ladder to hit someone and just gash them in the face. That front row was in danger, but you know who was in more danger? Who's that? The Mike Munro. That's true. Hello, That's true, folks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you gotta wait for the. I gotta wait for the hashtag to your listeners to stop applauding and uh, and handing me trophies. Okay, you can continue. <laughs> now all i'm gonna say is table spot okay uh the table spot was one of the biggest moments of the evening uh for me i have not uh involuntarily popped uh like this in uh, in quite some time out of sheer wonderment uh, it was absolutely crazy uh, Montana Black on the table. Uh, Vandal throws Trevor Reed on top of him, on top of a table, outside the ring, on the hardwood uh, line dancing floor. So thanks to Vandal, Reed crashes onto Black, but the table does not break. So Vandal scurries up to the middle rope and leaps off the ring onto... Trevor Reed and Montana Black and the table and the table does not break. This is absolutely crazy. Everybody is losing their shit. It's the loudest sound uh, of everyone. Just can't believe what they're looking at. And then Nick Iggy climbs up to the top rope. He splashes onto the mass of humanity. The table does not break. <laughs> I swear that my, I, I swear that holy shit, like, came out of my mouth as naturally as carbon dioxide, because I did not say it; it simply came out of me. And then afterward, the the holy shit chant continued for a solid sixty seconds. Very very cool. Table doesn't break, however. It does tip and fall, and they all collapse onto the ground. And wow, at that point, 
they're like in the center of what is um, the other front row at Fest Wrestling. So not only their bodies, but they've had to, everybody else's, all of Fest family's bodies have had to make way. Well, a couple things here. Uh, one, can can you be upset for a, a, a table uh, not breaking? I mean, <laughs> can, can you, shouldn't you be happy that a table is structurally sound enough to uh, to withstand such punishment? Um, and and two, yes, you can because you need it to break. But uh, <laughs> that, that that does happen on a, on occasion. I've seen several videos online of. A wrestler trying to put a wrestler through a table, it doesn't break. So it becomes the wrestlers versus the table. To- totally breaking, by the way, the, the the whole the whole battle going on inside the ring. It becomes the wrestlers against table, man versus table. Um, however, I do think, uh, last I heard, I checked Twitter, and I, I think that table did join Awaken. So I think the <laughs> table <laughs> is now uh, a, a new member of Awaken, so... It's tough as nails. It's, t- well, it's t- tough as table. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, I tell you what, they they need a fourth member. They lost Baghead or whatever, whoever he was. <laughs> remember Baghead? I, was, I, I remember Baghead. He didn't really wrestle as much as he just held a sign up. Hey, Lo- Lodi didn't wrestle as much as he held up a sign. Uh, Sign Guy Dudley didn't wrestle as much as he held up a sign. Sign Guy Dudley might be the ultimate example of someone who holds a sign uh, in wrestling. There's precedent. There's precedent there. There There's hope for you yet, Baghead. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say Baghead, my favorite member of Awaken. Wow. I'm sure Leon Scott, Wolf Taylor, and Vandal all appreciate that. And and, and, and Table. And Table also appreciates that. (laughs) So is Table your favorite member of Awaken? Yes, because Table's my favorite member of Awaken. Well, I will say this. The reason Baghead is my favorite is because he's the only member of Awaken that has not screamed fuck you right in my face before. Even Table. Even (laughs) Table has yelled fuck you right in my face. It is pretty vulgar. It is actually written on the table. Uh, So... Uh, The rest of this match is just as wild as the beginning. Lots of big power moves with, with Leon Scott. Um, Carrie Awful uh, showing up uh, a lot um, uh, of strength in this match. Um, and, and same with TJ Boss. Uh, they're in the ring. The Carnies end up on the table at one point, and uh, TJ Boss goes off the ladder like he's going to deliver a swanton to both of the Carnies, but they move. And this table actually does break. This table shatters as TJ Boss uh, lands a swanton on no one and uh, looks to hurt himself quite a bit. TJ Boss, one of the lesser known uh, fragrances by. <laughs> Sorry, you, you said you said TJ popular as his cousin Hugo. Is that what you're yeah, saying? yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I was going to say, or one of the lesser known uh, department stores, uh, TJ Boss. <laughs> oh man, that, that that's no good. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, or, or at least a very mean guy who would terrorize me if he ever caught me in public. <laughs> What'd you say about me? <laughs> yes, Mr. G.J. Buster. Did you call me a department store fragrance? <laughs> I guess it's like if you bought Hugo Boss at TJ Maxx. That's uh, what <laughs> or, or, or like a, it, it's like an exclusive uh, Hugo Boss ripoff. 
uh, sold exclusively at TJ Maxx. So it's 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 TJ Boss. Anyway, we're getting off topic here, Darren. <laughs> Tell me more about TJ Boss. Uh, Leon Scott gets Vandal on his shoulders, and they climb up to get the box. Aww. Climb up the ladder. They've got the box. Now it's time to find out. What's in the box? Well, hashtag what's in the box, Darren? Well, I'll tell you. They open the box, and it's full of confetti and glass ball ornaments. I mean, uh, yes, yes, we are literally and figuratively being hit over the head with the Christmas (laughs) theme. Um, But guess what? There's two little pickles wearing Santa hats in this box. Uh Uh-oh. So... They're pickles. And you know what a pickle will get you in Fest Wrestling? It'll get you an opportunity for gold in Fest Wrestling. That's right. And so, with two pickles in their possession... Oh, and they were totally cute, by the way. A regular green pickle (laughs) with a red Santa hat. Right. And a red pickle with a green Santa hat. Can you believe it? The Gymnasty Boys come out. They don't even let the carnage... Uh, end the dust hasn't even settled and white mike and timmy lou retton come out from behind the curtain into eight seconds into fest wrestling's xmas in july 2 and challenge awaken they say you got those pickles you want our championships you should come try to get them tonight because we don't have any opponents but we're here in Gainesville, and we are just too deep. Awaken, have you got the cojones to take on the Gymnasty Boys? We shall see. But there is a brief intermission. We think that Awaken's going to take on the Gymnasty Boys at that very moment, but no. In fact, Tony Weinbender hits the ring, claims the match will happen later, and then we get to hear from Tony for a little bit, hyping up a lot of the action that is to come later in the night, and later in the year for Fest Wrestling. Tell you what, that Tony Weinbender, he is one hell of a promoter. He is. Uh, he, he knows a thing or two about promoting. That is for sure. Once the matches start back up, we get a singles match between Serpentico and Beastly. I would say Serpentico, friend of the show, but I don't know if I want to be friends with a snake. Yeah, Especially he, one that's uh, this dastardly. He showed his true colors. Uh, when he viciously attacked Saeed al-Sabah. And all the credit in the world to Serpentico. He's a very, very talented wrestler. Uh, I thought he was a heck of a nice guy, uh, but I was fooled. We were all of us fooled. Oh, most definitely. Uh, Serpentico, uh, he takes on Beastly, but we don't know that yet. We're anticipating a match between Serpentico and Angel Rose, of course. Well, Serpentico uh, really punks out uh, our, our friend Charles Volker, the ring announcer, knocks Charles out of the ring. It was a pretty gnarly spot. No, not cool at all. Serpentico then takes the microphone and says, you know, Fest doesn't have the balls to tell you that Angel Rose isn't here. And, I mean, he was right. At At no point had we been told that she wasn't there. And issues an open challenge. Serpentico says, if I don't have Angel Rose to fight, I want to fight somebody. Well, that open challenge was answered by Beastly. Serpentico throws a chair at Beastly. Crazy <laughs> shot right to the head. Anytime you're throwing a steel chair, 
you are asking for trouble. You're asking for health trouble uh, for your opponent. And, uh, yeah, Beastly took a rather gnarly shot to the head. I mean, we had an Effie on the show last episode. He tells you how uh, how hurtful chair shots can be. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's no telling. I mean, I know Beastly doesn't think quite like the rest of us, but uh, nobody likes to be hit in the head. No. But Serpentico, he certainly gets his just desserts later in the match. There are five chairs set up at ringside, uh, four of them uh, sort of forming a first level. Uh, of, a, of a tower, with another chair sitting on top of those. And uh, Serpentico looks like he's going for a spear on Beastly, uh, or a, maybe a, a, a jump push into Beastly <laughs> to throw him through this uh, tower of chairs. Serpentico Beastly... is the master of the, the running jump push, uh, so... I, I, I can definitely see that. Yeah, the, the the chair configuration that you describe reminds me of, uh, uh, is it the same kind of chair pyramid from the last pickle in the tree? It most certainly is. Well, he, he definitely is a uh, architect when it comes to those chairs. He also is. If he, could, if he could simply use his powers for good, we might have some... Uh, <laughs> all, all, all the children he could, he could seat if he used those folding chairs for good instead of evil. I know. Think of the children, Serpentico. Think of the children. <laughs> Think of the children who must stand. Who must stand. They have nowhere to sit. Not to mention all of the crumbling infrastructure in this country. You could build towers and bridges. You could be of so much good, but you're a cold-hearted snake. Oh, look into his eyes. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's been telling lies. Oh, he's a lover boy at play, you know? He don't play by rules. <laughs> I want Serpentico to come out to Paula Abdul for now on. If he doesn't, then I will never cheer for him again. Ah, well, he's a bad person, so maybe you should not cheer for him anyway. I don't know. It's a, the, the weird, wild, wacky world of wrestling. One can never tell. But Beastly moves out of the way. He moves out of the deadly running jump push. And instead... Serpentico dives to his near death uh, through the ropes into the tower of chairs and to the hardwood floor below. Nasty bump. Um, Surprise Serpentico got up from this. Uh, But he does. Beastly pulls him back in the ring, hits a blue thunder driver, and after that nasty spill on the outside and being planted by Beastly, still doesn't stay down for the pinfall. Back outside, the two go at it with Silly String and Serpentico throwing more chairs. And I'll tell you what, I'd almost rather be hit with a chair than be covered in Silly String. <laughs> personal thing. It's a personal right. thing. Hey, personal preference. It's fine. I, a terrible, haunting moment I once had at a, a elementary school field day with Silly String. Never been able to get over it. But Serpentico decides to put a chair in between the legs of Beastly and pull out that nasty, underhanded trick of hitting the chair with a chair. And then hits a pile driver onto Beastly on the chair. Then a swanton for the win. Serpentico wins the match. Sounds like it was hard fought. Poor Beastly. He couldn't uh, He couldn't fend off Serpentico's dastardly tactics. He tried, though, I'm sure. That beastly's all heart and hair. 
<laughs> Actually, I think he probably is more hair than Hart, even, maybe. Could be, could be. That's a lot of hair. That's it, a lot. He, he is beastly. He lives up to his name. He does. So, Awaken makes good on the gym nasty boys uh, asking them, even threatening them, to take their shot tonight. Cash in those pickles, right? That's not smart. I mean, uh, the Gymnasty Boys know that the odds are in their favor if they have Awaken fight them. When they are fresh, Awaken is definitely not fresh. They just went through hell just to get those pickles. Um, so, do we see Awaken come out to answer the challenge? Yes, we absolutely do. Oh, uh, no. Not smart Awaken. No, of course not. But, uh, well, you wouldn't think so. Uh, but the... You know, that's why they play the game, right? Because you know what? You never know what will happen. Any given Sunday, all that jazz, right? You know, I, let me say about the Gymnasty Boys. <laughs> you you want to name any other movies there, Darren? <laughs> any given Sunday, Sunday, all that jazz? It, it just, you know, L.A. Confidential, all right? You know, Forrest Gump. So, uh, I, you know, it's a regular hunt for Red October. What can you say? <laughs> um, I'm still amazed by the gymnast part of the Gymnasty Boys. You know, and, and to be perfectly honest, these guys are super legit. I feel like they would be immediately 50% less legit without the actual gymnastic ability of these two men. It's always thrilling and entertaining. It puts a smile on my face. Um, let me Give me one second here to, to really put over the Gymnasty Boys. The first time I heard it, I didn't know that I was completely sold on the, on the gimmick. Because in reality, this could have been like a throwaway, rip-off indie gimmick. We've seen, I mean, I've never seen anything like that, but I've seen gimmicks like that that are just disposable. You know, they're not going to do anything outside of a junior high gymnasium. Sure, we, we've, we've seen people that are all gimmick. These guys are as good at being their gimmick as they are at their abilities in ring. And they're, they're exceptional talents. I, I will definitely say that. Timmy Lee Retton and White Mike are both exceptional wrestlers. Absolutely. Right. And, I, and when you add that to the gimmick, the gimmick seems almost organic. The gimmick seems... Because a lot of the time, the gimmick swallows up the talent. Or right. swallows up the individual. Uh, especially when it's an homage or a satire or... If it's, if it's in any way related to something else, it can sometimes swallow up the, the person inside of the gimmick. But the athleticism of these two, the, the, the like natural tag team uh, nature that they have, and their actual nastiness, all of that combined, it makes them truly original. So i, I got to say two thumbs up to the, to the Gymnasty Boys on everything that they do. So Awaken and Gymnasty boys, they're they're going at it. This is uh, these are definitely this 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 is so much fest. Awaken, they're from day one. Gymnasty boys, the first ever fest tag team champions. You know this this is some homegrown talent. Uh, heel versus heel too. So it, it, it's it kind is. of like it's kind of like who do you root for? It's kind of weird. Um, it's kind of weird. Nevertheless, leave it to some damn outsiders, some damn interlopers. Grits hit the ring, knocked Timmy Luretton off the top rope, 
throw White Mike through a door. Leon Scott double teamed with a drop kick Russian leg sweep move that had to have knocked the taste right out of his mouth. Uh, Wolf and Vandal both taken out as well. Uh, Gritz then hit uh, Timmy Lou Retton with a double team powerbomb. Vandal, though, climbs back in the ring on top of a prone Timmy Lou Retton. One, two, three. Oh, wow. Upset. And new best wrestling tag team champions awaken. Huge upset. I'm sure no one thought they would see the uh, tag team champions be dethroned on this night. Oh, absolutely. No way anybody saw that coming. Uh, Even when Grits hit the ring, didn't see it coming. Right. Uh, Literally not until the three count was, uh, was levied and uh, Vandal and Leon's hands were raised. Did I, did I really believe it? And uh, Hey, couldn't happen to worse guys. (laughs) Wow. Oh man. That's pretty crazy. That is a huge upset. But again, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how fond the, uh, the fans are of the gymnasty boys. Um, their, their abilities aside, you know, they obviously have a lot of ability and they're very entertaining to watch, but they're not exactly the cleanest when it comes to uh, wrestling matches. They've, they've cheated their way through matches on many occasions. Um, they've been known to have some shady tactics. I don't know if they can out Shady Awaken, though. They might be the kings. The kings of shade. Fifty shades of it. <laughs> Fifty back. shades of shade? Fifty shades of shade. <laughs> hey, there's a new patch for your vest, Leon. Fifty hey. shades of shade. Fifty shades of shade. Well, that's not the only gold that was being contested on this night. No! Your Fest Wrestling World Championship would be decided by the current holder, wearer of that belt, Effie, the golden boy of Grabass, as he defended it against the son of the eighth day, Saeed Al-Sabah, and right off the top, both these guys' chants. The place was lousy with both these guys' chants. Both these guys are over like Rover. Like we've been saying for weeks, Fest Family was going to be divided all over again, much like when Effie fought and defeated Sue Young for that very belt. We have, you you have to choose. Who are you going to choose? Personally, I went with Effie, friend of the show, Darren Beasley's number one wrestler of 2017. Right. How was I not going to go with the feminist icon? But I'm a big fan of Saeed Al-Sabah. I have been pushing and pushing for him to have uh, this platform, this stage. And here he is. He's got it. You've been singing his praises for a long time. We both have. Uh, all of our hashtag dear listeners who have heard all review shows know that um, and he's he's earned the right to fight Effie for that championship uh, that championship belt. So, what, you know, it, what? It, sad, that's that's the sad thing of wrestling is that someone's got to win, which means someone's got to lose. Uh, that's absolutely right. And uh, I thought for a second somebody might be winning this match with a submission hold uh, early on. There's a lot of uh, sort of uh, almost catch wrestling activity. And then uh, submission holds uh, 
to start off kind of early. That's pretty cool. Um, at one point, Effie gets Saeed prone on the apron, however, and uh, decides we're leaving the canvas here. Effie goes to the top rope, goes to Swanton bomb Saeed on the apron, which, you know, is the hardest part of the ring. Oh, of and Saeed moves. Effie lands uh, a miss. He lands a miss Swanton on the hardest part of the ring. Ow. And yeah, Al was right. I saw that and I cringed. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I certainly hope that uh, his manservant, Mr. Champagne, immediately booked a, a visit to the chiropractor as soon as he saw that because that the dude is going to need uh, some work done after that. He's going to need uh, an adjustment. Effie goes for the last ride on Saeed Al-Sabah. We said, how is Effie going to fight this match? How's Effie's going to pull everything out, apparently. Swanton uh, to the ring apron, submission holds, a last ride. Yeah, we talked a lot about how Effie might have to adapt to Saeed Al-Sabah. We did not take into consideration Saeed Al-Sabah having to adapt to Effie, in which case, if, if, the, if the match became about submissions and grappling in the beginning, Saeed did just that. Oh, for sure. And what's amazing is that this last ride looked like a like a sure thing. It looked like a home run hit for uh, Effie, like he was going to slam Saeed down on his upper back in the back of his head, give him some whiplash, knock the air out of him, hold nine yards. But the last ride does not hit home, in fact, because Saeed crashes down on Effie's head. Nevertheless, despite the fact that it seems that Saeed has an answer for everything, Effie stays on the offensive. Effie, I, I guess, was going for like a shock and awe campaign because it, it was just offense, 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 offense. And luckily for Saeed, he, he had a pretty solid defense. Saeed is on all fours in the middle of the ring. Effie runs, steps up on Saeed's back, and then falls backward so that he lands a senton bomb on Saeed, who's on all fours, who then, of course, collapses to the canvas. Ow! I feel like that would equally hurt Effie. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like I said, it was he was going uh, full tilt boogie. Uh, total balls out, if you will. Human cannonball, uh, sounds like. Seriously. Several spinning splashes from Saeed. Uh, Saeed, that is, that is a maneuver that we see from Saeed often. Uh, where he'll take a standing position next to a prone opponent, and somehow, from a standing position to simply falling about three feet, he manages to twist his body several times, and um, very impressive looking. Yeah, that and doesn't uh, that, that doesn't register in my brain how he's able to do that. Yeah, seriously, how do you how do you how do you spin that many times, <laughs> and all you simply did was fall from where you were standing? What's athleticism? <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the coolest moves of the night, I think, was Saeed um, throwing Effie with a release fisherman suplex. Uh, the setup was nice. The delivery was nice. And uh, it certainly managed to take the champion off of his feet. But it's then that all of the hard work of these two men turns out to be for naught. As Serpentico comes back out, hits the ring with a chair, throws the chair, knocking Saeed off the top rope. Serpentico gets in the ring, but then curiously, 
he takes off his mask. Underneath the mask of Serpentico, who might it be? Jonathan Cruz, Serpentico? <laughs> well, that's what I thought. It's Jason Cade. What? Fest's whipping boy, Jason Cade, after being absent for quite some time, having quit Fest and made it abundantly clear he wanted nothing to do with Fest, here he is. He has snuck in the back door. Jason Cade in the ring. He took out Sabah. Then he takes... uh, takes a swing at Effie, beating him up with a chair. Jason Cade hits Frank Gastineau, as well as referee Tony, with chairs. He drop kicks Charles. Oh, my God. Drop kicks Charles. Charles falls like a fucking redwood, and it made me cry a little bit. (laughs) Kicking Charles is like kicking a puppy. You don't do it. He's a nice guy. He is a... Puppy, he's a friend of the show, damn it. God damn it, Alley Cat's a cat and Charles is a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Cade, he gets, he's not done with Effie. He goes and puts the metal folding chair on Effie's throat and then sits down on the thing. He, he decides now he's going to speak to the world. He gets a microphone. He delivers one big, long, fuck you speech saying that he's taking the Fest Championship belt because he was never compensated for any of his Fest wrestling endeavors. He walks out of eight seconds with the belt, but then Leon Scott, Ariel Monroe, Beastly, spill out of the back. They give chase. Leon, what are you doing, buddy? Don't make me like you. How can, <laughs> I mean, are you... What? What are you doing? So Tony Weinbender hits the ring at this point, says our security is shit. <laughs> and uh, we don't see any of those people again. <laughs> I, I, I did not. Well, actually, a lot of the uh, members of the audience chased uh, Jason Cade out of the building, along with Leon and Ariel and Beastly. Um, I was upstairs for this show, actually. I had a bird's eye view for Xmas in July too, so I did not give chase, but I am curious uh, what happened. I know they didn't catch him because less than an hour later, we saw Jason Cade putting the Fest Championship belt inside of a drink cooler at a gas station, uh, presumably <laughs> somewhere down the road in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, who knows? But um, in the aftermath, Effie gets up your Fest Wrestling Champion, even if he doesn't have the belt to show it here at the end of the show. Saeed Al-Sabah, his great and worthy opponent, stands up. The two competitors dust themselves off. They look one another in the eye and they shake hands. They realize they were having a hell of a bout. This was a fight for the ages. This was an honorable match. And the two of them had been dishonored by Jason Cade, the whipping boy, and uh, that's it. That was the end of the night. The, these two men know that they will live to fight one another another day. But uh, I guess Jason Cade's going to have to be dealt with first. Well, I mean, Jason Cade's going to find out the hard way that the, nothing brings two people together better than a common enemy. And it looks like Jason Cade has become the enemy of Fest Wrestling. And there's a whole locker room of folks back there 
that will probably want to put the hurting on him for uh, disrespecting that Fest Wrestling Championship belt, as well as disrespecting Fest Wrestling itself and Tony Weinbender, uh, the promoter of Fest Wrestling. So, interesting to see where this story goes, but as far as we know, Effie is still the official Fest Wrestling Champion. No matter where Jason K takes a picture with the belt, he might have it on his persons, but he's not the person. Alright, Effie is still the man of Fest Wrestling. So, looking forward to the next show to see how the story unfolds. I wonder uh, if we'll catch up with Jason Kidd at some point and get that belt back from him and give it back to our boy Effie. <laughs> we just gotta if, if find out where Jason Kidd's booked down the road and just sneak attack him. Uh, we'll bring Charles. Time for Charles to get some revenge on Jason Kidd. And I'm sure Sir Pentico will probably mad at him for stealing his mask. Um... <laughs> So, more on that story as it develops, folks. Of course, when it comes to Fest Wrestling, you can get your updates and information here on the only wrestling podcast. Calls it right down the middle. The whole reference show. But it sounds like a pretty solid Fest Wrestling show. Yes, Darren? Oh, man, it was excellent. It was, as always, all the familiar Fest family faces, all of the Fest Wrestling roster, and the new faces. It was great to meet some new wrestlers. Great to see some new wrestlers compete in a fest wrestling ring. Always great to see our friends like Effie, Sir, well, Serpentico, if you will. Uh, <laughs> great, to, great to talk to our very good close friends uh, like Effie and uh, Rich and Max and Tony. Um, it's the best wrestling uh, atmosphere in the world, uh, dear listeners. You know, get your ass to Gainesville, Florida. Uh, your next opportunity will be September the 8th. It's actually only a little over a month. Um, of course, you're talking about July when you're listening to this podcast and September, but you're talking about the very end of July and the very beginning of September. So it's actually just a little over a month away from the next Fest show, which we will get to see um, the fate of that Fest Wrestling World title and our champion, Effie. Um, we're also going to see a couple more debuts at that September 8th show. It's the second annual Fest birthday party. It's an anniversary bash, as always, at 8 seconds in downtown Gainesville. Uh, we're going to see Shotzi Blackheart, Britt Baker make their debuts in Fest. Maybe some more. We'll see the return of the Ugly Ducklings and Simon Grimm. We're excited to see the return of Darius Lockhart and Jamie Senegal. Uh, it's going to be a great show, folks. And uh, you can find Fest Wrestling uh, also on Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, yeah, make plans to be there September 8th. And then, uh, yeah, it's it, the rest of this year, big-time fest in your face. September show, October show, December show. That's right. When Fest says party, they mean it. And when they say bash, they certainly mean it. So definitely be there for that show, folks. And uh, are you a big fan of Fest? Let us know. There are a lot of ways you can do that. Find us on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We'd appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you want to. The whole ref and show at gmail.com, T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W at gmail.com, or. Or come hang out in our neck of the woods there on Instagram. It's the land of pretty pictures and hashtags. 
It's the land where you get to communicate with us quite a bit. We'd love to chat with you. And uh, come check out our pictures, things from the past, things from the present, from WrestleMania to Fest Wrestling, not things from the future. Ah, I was going to say, things from the future, things from the future. Uh, it, it is a very cool place to, to hang out, uh, exchange ideas, memories, and, and very cool pictures. So join us on Instagram at The Whole Reppin Show. That is right, folks. That's going to do it for us here on this edition of The Whole Reffin Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Uh, and by the way, my name is Perry Smith. By the way, my name is the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. Hashtag never forget. And we're going to catch you on next week's episode. Until then, take care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.